Uh, let me pray, and then we'll get started, and others can join in if they want. God, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for uh, these parents and just their desire to to raise their kids in a, a godly way, in a, a successful way. God, I pray that uh, you would just encourage their hearts and uh, you would fill them up with wisdom from your word and wisdom from other people that are that are better at this than us and um, just help them to know how to how to parent and raise their kids. And so uh, we thank you for tonight and thank you for um, just this chance to do this. We love you. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen. All right. So we've got uh, Maddie and I have. Hey, y'all. How's it going? Y'all doing all right? Good. We were just prayed and just getting started, so y'all didn't miss anything. Have y'all have y'all read the book? I started it. Okay. Okay, good deal. So there's no quiz at the end of this, so you're good, sir. Um, so we have kids. Now we have a six-year-old, a five-year-old, and a three-year-old. So we are, like in some ways, we're just getting started parenting, although after reading this book, I'm like, I'm behind. I feel behind. And I don't know if that's how y'all feel. Maybe that's how every parent feels. Maybe some parents don't feel the way. Is that how you feel? You're like, mm, I wish I would have known more. I wish I would have done. Yeah. Okay. I guess in general. Um, but I think uh, just you being here and you being willing to listen and learn and grow, that's, that's a huge step. Uh, you're an engaged parent and that is very, very important. So uh, what is, why, why do you come to a class like this? Like, what do you hope to get out of it? What do you hope uh, to learn? Or where, where do you feel like, man, this is, this is what I really struggle with or need to learn or need to know how to handle? Is there something on the top of your, your mind? <laughs> All of the above? Just general parents. Cool. Which one? Okay, uh, I haven't read it, but I heard good things, so I yeah. got some. Yeah, 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 for sure. Anybody else? Just. But there's also a realness too of like you wanted to see like here's how mom handles it when I lose yeah right you don't have to have it all yeah for sure yeah what else is there other things you're like man this is what I yeah 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 Yeah. He talks about this in the end of this book. He breaks down parenting into three infancy, childhood, and then teenage years. So infancy is like zero to five where they're under your care every day. 
you can provide direction at every moment. But he talks about in childhood, that moment of you send him to school and you realize, wait, wait, he's got to make his own decisions. <laughs> he's got to choose how he responds. And so that, that becomes a whole different deal than mommy's right here. I can tell you, don't stick your finger in the outlet, right? You know, so, or don't do what those other kids are doing. But yeah, for sure, that's hard. Well, uh, as you, as I'm, I'm really just going to track through the book and pull out some of the things I learned, talk about what uh, he talks about. So the first thing he talks about is the title of the book, Shepherding a Child's Heart, is ultimately it's about heart, the heart. Um, so many times parenting, we parent towards behavior, right? So, uh, man, I can think of so many examples. You know, Ellie... We call Ellie is our youngest. She's a savage, right? She's just young and she's the youngest. And so she just, she's had to learn to fight to get stuff, right? So she is a hitter and she is a, um, but she's not really to the point where I can explain her heart. But Hudson at six, I, I can speak to his heart a lot more than a three-year-old, right? But it's not just talking to our kids about their behavior. So he, he pulls a lot of this from, from Scripture, Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Mark 7.21, Jesus talks about that it's from within, out of men's heart come evil thoughts, and he goes on and lists all these perverse things. It's from our heart. Our behavior is a symptom of what's actually going on in our heart. Uh, and then Luke 6.45, he says, The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. And so, man, this this is just, I've, as I'm reading this, I'm realizing how much I've tailored discipline and parenting to behavior. We don't do that. But why? What, what's the reason? What is what? Why is Ellie hitting? Why is Hudson being selfish? Why you know those sorts of things? And and reading this, it just it really has shifted the way I talk to my kids. Even so, he says in the book, when we deal with discipline, we're not just trying to change unacceptable behavior to behavior that we sanction and appreciate. We have to get to the heart of the issue. We look at the behavior and we work back to the heart and then we expose that heart to the kids and deal with the heart issue. We have to help our children see that they were made for a relationship with God and their heart can only be satisfied in really knowing God. So like, okay, here's a, here's a hypothetical that you've all experienced because you all have multiple kids. There's one toy, a ball, a glove, and both of them want it at the exact same time. How, how do you handle this? What's your strategy? What? Throw it away. That's a great, yeah, I mean, that's real common. Yeah, I'm taking your toy. Okay. Okay. Justice. Yep, justice, right? Who had it first? You took it. That's wrong. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, here, Bryce, you take this or yeah. do this. I mean, I, I, that's, that's not good. Yeah. I, yeah. 
and he talks about in the book, he uses this example, which is just everywhere in our life as parents. Really in that situation when they're both fighting over a toy, both have a heart issue. And what is it? It's selfishness, ultimately. And so if all we do is just appease them and go, hey, Bryce, here's this. Hey, Natalie, here's this. All we're doing is teaching them it's okay to be selfish because you can still get what you want. Or even the, uh, and there's a place for compromising, going, hey, five minutes, and then it's her turn. There's a place for that. But still, we're not really getting to the heart of it because we're allowing their selfishness to be the driving thing versus having sitting both of them down. And I had this conversation Monday, sitting both of them down, going, you both are being selfish. You want what you want, and you're not willing to love your brother. You want what you want, and you're not willing to love your sister. And if you don't, if we don't expose the heart, then they're just going to learn to behave. And some kids will behave and do really well, and they'll please you because they're people pleasers or because they want to achieve or because they don't like getting spankings or whatever. But some won't. Some will rebel. But if their heart is not right that won't last into childhood and then when they're at the school by themselves, right? Because they've learned selfishness. Uh, what else is wrong with just changing behavior without addressing kids' hearts? Or what else is a problem that you, maybe you've experienced, I, I can think of a thousand in my own, where I just address behavior, but I don't address the heart. What's wrong with that? Or is it wrong? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. He he has no and he Yeah. He doesn't know why he did it. He really doesn't. And that's the job as a parent is to help him understand his motive. Right, because he, he's four, he's not self aware. Even fourteen year olds don't know why they do stuff, right? So part of being a parent is helping them see asking not just you're doing this because you're selfish. That's not no. But asking questions, talking through it, and then helping them see what their motive is, like getting to the heart of it. Uh, so I mean that is that is the big story of the whole book, right? Is how do we get to the heart? Um, he talks about a lot of other stuff and I'm going to talk about it. But if, if, you, if you take one thing away, learning to think about why did that happen? Why did she do that? Why is he acting out? Why is he throwing a fit? So he goes on, he talks about how our kids grow and development. So he, he throws out two things. He's going to use this word shaping influences, and then he's going to use Godward orientation. So fancy words. Shaping influences are what happens to us, life circumstances. Um, he says it this way. Shaping influences are events and circumstances in a child's years that are catalysts for making him the person he is. 
the person your child becomes is a product of two things, his life experience, but also how he interacts with that experience. Now, we're prone probably one of two ways to say, uh, well, this happened in my childhood and that's the way I am. And you can't help that. But that is a really, that, that did affect you. I'm not ignoring that. But how you respond to it matters just as much as what it was, right? And so he brings out both of that. So he talks about like how your family is structured. Uh, is there two parents? Is it one parent? Is it grandparents? Is, you know, what's your birth order? That, that affects things. Uh, personalities and how personalities interact. A lot of this stuff, kids can't control. Stuff happens to them, right? They're born into a family. Uh, family values. What's what's important in a family? Like, what what do you spend time on? What do you spend money on? What 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 what's what's the one thing you would get most trouble for? That'll tell you what your family really values, right? Uh, in mine, it was lying. I think, as a kid, right? It, like, we can deal with whatever you did. Just tell me the truth, right? Uh, family roles, like is is dad present or is he always working or is he totally gone? What are what are the children's roles? The, all these sorts of things. How does a family handle conflict? Is it Maddie and I have dealt with this a lot in our marriage, <laughs> not, not conflict, but the fact that we were raised very differently. My family, everything got swept under the rug. We never talked about it. Maybe mom and dad talked about it behind closed doors, but basically everything got pushed to the side. We just just moved on. Maddie's family, they waited till everybody was together to have that real personal hash it out, blow it up conversation. Usually better at a family gathering to deal with interpersonal conflict. You know, the louder, the more dramatic, the better. And she would tell you all of this. So I'm not breaking her trust in telling you this. But that affects how we parent, right? Because then I was raised thinking my parents never fought, but that really wasn't true. They just did it behind closed doors. Probably, I'm guessing. I'm filling in some blanks years later. Um, but this kind of stuff shapes our kids. Um, and But we have to avoid two ways of thinking. One is a deterministic way. That just because of how we raise our family, the environment we put them in, the kids, all that sort of stuff, kids are not helpless victims. Sometimes they are. But it also matters how they respond to those things. Um, we can't ignore them, but we can't overemphasize them. Here's an example on page 15. He says, uh, you make a grave mistake if you conclude that child rearing is nothing more than providing the best possible shaping influences for your children. Many Christian parents adopt this Christian determinism. They figure if they can protect and shelter them well enough, if they can always be positive with them, if they can send them to Christian schools, or if they can homeschool, if they can provide the best possible childhood experience, then their child will turn out okay. Is that actually true? Not really. We, know, we, we can probably all think of kids that had every advantage as far as child rearing and still did not turn out well. So it's not just shaping influences, but by all means, work on these, right? Be positive, be, be kind, have stable family and good values and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it also matters what our 
he calls it Godward orientation is. Um, and so what he talks about, I mean, we're coming at this from a Christian perspective, so this is not really, I don't know, it's not really applicable. I, I guess it is. But ultimately, we believe that um, there is no such thing as a neutral, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm trying to say this kindly, but our kids are sinners, right? Right? There is no neutral kid. You don't have to teach them to hit, bite, punch, steal, lie, all those sorts of things. Like, they come about that naturally, thanks to our father Adam. Um, and so what he's saying is that parenting is about how we help them see what happens to them from a Godward perspective. Uh, it's not just uh, them and their circumstances. Uh, and ultimately, that's about having conversations, right? And pointing them to, uh, you're doing this because your heart is wicked, because you, you, you are a sinner who needs a Savior. And until you understand that and you walk in relationship with God, then you will continue to live this out, right? Um, do, do you think of yourself and your parenting as deterministic? Is that some, some way you've thought that? If I can just get all the right circumstances, then my kid will just turn out right. Do you think so? Yes? How so? By all means, control what you can control, right? Like, don't give your kids a bad childhood and hope that it turns into something good. It's not. Like, the chances are, don't beat them and, you know, all these sorts of things. Not feed them and ignore them. Sure. Right. Yeah, and you're not. And Seth is very different than you are, right? Yeah, that's. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And he's not trying to say, you know, don't provide a good childhood, right? By all means, like provide for your kids, love them, care for them. But know that there's plenty of rich kids that have everything they ever needed as far as childhood goes that will veer off and not have a relationship with God or get into drugs or ruin their life or whatever, right? So what happens in childhood is not deterministic of how you turn out. By all means, control what you can control. But ultimately, it's about giving our kids a Godward orientation. Now, some of that we don't control either, right? We can expose them over and over and over. And sometimes kids respond to that. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes being drugged to church and talked about at home and all, kids just don't, they don't. They, they rebel, they reject it, and that it is what it is. 
Yeah. In and out of prison, my grandparents, my parents, my siblings, my, nobody read and write, nobody ever worked a job. They just stole. We had our boys, they're in their 30s. They're one's a police officer, one's at Lockheed Martin. We adopted three kids who came from a drug background like I did. Two of them, drugs, in prison and stuff. One still not stable, but at least not on drugs. Yeah. And now we have the three girls. We got them. They were all born addicted. We adopted them. They've all got mental issues, you know, learning disabilities, all that. But I didn't know how to be a good mama. I just knew I didn't want to be a bad mama. Yeah. But I had no clue I should have been trying to be a godly mama. Yeah. So with my older kids, I wasn't. Now, I still don't know a whole lot, but I know enough that I know God now at least. Yeah. And we do try, you know, even yeah. children, you know, Absolutely. we want to be different parents yeah. now. We weren't bad parents, but we weren't godly parents by no means, you know. Right. Uh, he goes on and he talks about authority. And uh, <laughs> I'm just going to read you what he says because it's I thought it was interesting. Uh, our culture does not like authority. It's not just that we don't like a, to be under authority. We don't like being authorities. Uh, and one of the places where this is most clearly seen is our discomfort with authority in the home. Uh, we need a biblical understanding of authority. Questions abound. What is the nature of a parent's authority over a child? Is it absolute? Relative. I'm about to sneeze. It's pollen. Uh, is that authority vested in the parent because of the size difference between parents and young children? Are we in charge because we're smarter? Are we called to rule because we're not sinners and they are? Do we have the right to tell our kids to do anything we want them to do? So when we start talking about authority, uh, people get a little bit squeamish because <laughs> we there's this prevailing idea that all authority is bad. And, and I think we feel that as Americans a little bit of like, we're independent, we can do things on our own, we don't want somebody telling us what to do. Um, but biblically, uh, he says, we are God's given authority over our kids. Not only that, we are exercising his authority, not our own. We act at his command, not our own. We aim to please our father as we exercise our authority over our kids in order to please him. So ultimately, disciplining our kids when they're out of line is about God's agenda, not our own. I think this might free up some of the... I, I, you mentioned it earlier, a little bit of like... Um, I don't remember exactly what you said. Somehow I'm connecting this in my head, but it's not coming to me right now. I think when we realize that we are the rightful authority over our kids, that is what God set up. That is good. And if we don't exercise authority over our kids, then what do they do? Whatever they want, right? And that's not good. Now, if we lord our authority over our kids and we use that to control them, manipulate them, shame them, beat them, hurt them, that's not good either, right? So authority is neutral, but we are the authority over our kids. Is it the book that says that about we're giving God's authority over our kids? Or yeah. Is it the Bible that says that? Yeah, I mean, he's summarizing scriptures, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the clear one is Ephesians 6.1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then there's a lot of conversations in Proverbs and in Hebrews 
here. The Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. It talks about the discipline of the Lord. And that is as an authority, and this is very true, especially early in parenting. We are called uh, to have our kids obey. I, I don't know how to say it more plain than that, but that is what we are to teach them. They have to learn to obey. And why? Why do they have to learn to obey? Okay, absolutely, there's that. There's more. That, that's the ultimate answer. Like we're teaching them a picture of what it is to obey God, but what else? Yeah, if they don't obey, then they will stick their fingers in plugs and they will throw knives and they'll run out in the street and their, their physical danger. Uh, so their physical well-being is one benefit, right? It is good for you to obey. Um, do, do, is this a hard thing to teach or do you have like, yes, I am the authority, you are to obey me or does that feel a little too strong? <laughs> I always said I was too strict. Okay. And they think that just because they're my kid, I should always agree with them first, but I always try to tell them, and especially once they got to be teenagers, do you think, I don't know, when I tell you that, that's going to make you mad and make you want to talk back to me and make you angry at me? You know, but still, if that's what I believe God's telling me to do and to teach you, I have to do it, you know? So yeah. that's how I always were, you know? Yeah. I'm not doing it just to make you angry. I'm doing it because I feel like this is how I should raise you and, and stuff. So, yes, you're in trouble. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> is that hard for y'all, exercising authority, realizing, like, no, this is my job, is to help them learn to obey? Yeah. But I do know that I need to have authority over my children, and um, Seth, our four-year-old, seems to be very strong-willed, and so he fights any time we have to step in. And so I have made myself where I do have to step in and require obedience yeah. from him, but I definitely pick and choose when I do it, because otherwise I know it's going to wear me down completely if I fight on every single little thing. Yeah, for sure. And so I struggle some with, like, where do I draw the line of, Enough for me when you answer that you've like you've don't need to parent anymore because you figured it out yeah no but yeah that's hard yeah, yeah absolutely and the early years are the hardest right so much of the first five ten years is the hard work and if you do a good job it seems like the next ten years are a lot better because yeah, you've <laughs> this is what I've heard. I'm not there yet, but uh, those first early years are, man, you're creating habits. And, and that is the goal, is that we, we will all be under authority. This is a biblical truth. There is no one that is not under some authority. 
we are all under God's authority, but even in the earth, like there's laws, there's order, there's kings, there's rulers, there's bosses, there's, we all have to learn submission and authority. That's a basic requirement to learn to live. What, what, what are teenagers or even adults like that have zero respect for authority? Uh, we watched some of this. Is it on Netflix? They had like six different couples or eight different couples of different styles of parenting. Free range, I think is what it was called. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, he talks about, um, let's see. Man, so many times what this means and having it, I've realized this as a boss. I'm a boss for the first time now. I have, we have employees and I don't like confrontation. I really don't like going to someone and saying, hey, keep showing up late to work. We need to be here at this time. I don't like that. That is parenting a hundred times all day, every day, especially with little ones. Seth, you cannot hit your brother, right? Like how many times? It feels exhausting. I understand what you're saying. If I do it every time, then da 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 da. He talks about that this confrontation and our authority, though, we have to be humble. We are so, so it's one thing to go, I'm like, I'm mad at you because you disobeyed me. Really, that perspective should not ever be in parenting because our authority is not, it's given to us by God. And so we're meant to act on behalf of God. And so really the, the one that, that our kids have offended ultimately is God. It's really not us. And if we can almost take ourselves out of it for a second and go, okay, this is not Bryce trying to ruffle my feathers by spreading crumbs all around the trash can. This is Bryce, you've got to learn to be disciplined. Bryce, you've got to, you've got to, I don't even know if that's sinful, so that may not be right to use that example. But if we can pull ourselves out of it and go, no, this is what's best for my kid, for me to be uh, an authority. He says, we must be humble. We must not be angry, right? So if, if we're disciplining, if we're confronting just out of frustration and anger, don't. <laughs> do whatever you gotta do to calm down. Take time. This is hard with littles because if you take five minutes to calm down, they've moved on to 17 different things. So it's very difficult with littles. That's, it requires so much patience because uh, you have to calm down and you've got to be patient. But he, he talks a lot about that. But we, he, he talks a lot about that. We have to have the perspective that us exercising authority and teaching them to learn to obey is for their good. It's for their good now, it's for their good in the rest of their life, and it's for their good with their relationship with God. Um, we're going to talk about discipline a little bit more later, but he, he kind of lays out some of that. That Discipline is not um, revenge of parents against kids. It's not, how dare you say that to me? You're grounded for three months, you know. Right? 
That, that's, that's simply punishment. That's not teaching your kid, uh, exposing their heart, talking about the issues. That is simply revenge. And that's an abuse of authority to exercise your the rod or spankings or discipline simply for the sake that you got your feelings hurt, right? So he talks about discipline's not revenge. It's not to be, uh, it's not about our anger or our rage and just overpowering our kids. Let me read this from page 35. He says, uh, you are the authority over your child because God has called you uh, to direct. You provide direction under God's authority. Your right to be in charge is derived from God's authority. So you don't need to be tentative or overbearing. You are God's agent to teach you to teach his ways to your child. God has given you, your kids, there's no one else who has this responsibility. It's you. You are God's agents to teach his ways to your child. Uh, and you're God's agent to help your child understand himself as a creature in God's world. You are God's agent to show the need for God's grace and forgiveness. You look to God to give you strength and wisdom for your task. So, I mean, I, having a clear perspective of authority is... He, he lays it out better than I'm expressing it, but I don't know that I've, I, I lean towards authority, but I'm, and maybe most dads do. Like, we're much, not always, this is general, but that's probably true. We either lean towards the, like, caring, compassionate, let's talk about it, or we lean towards the rules, get in line, disciplinarian, and we need both, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. So he talks about some unbiblical goals and methods of parenting, and he's going to talk about what's the biblical goal and method. So he lays out uh, some unbiblical goals that many parents have, and so he says parents define success in varying ways, uh, and I'd be interested to see what y'all think or if you have other ones. So what is the goal of raising my kids, right? And this is kind of what you said a little bit earlier, that I, don't, I think I'm doing the right things. I think I'm doing the right things, but I'm not sure. So here's some of the, some, some parents' goals is having their kids develop special skills, right? So they want them involved in 17 different activities, doing well in school, socials, uh, sports and becoming really good so they can be successful. Now, is there anything inherently wrong with that? Mm, not really. But if this is our primary goal, then we've missed out on their whole Godward orientation, right? That ultimately we believe as Christians that success is not really in a, what your bank account is that when you retire. Success is in a relationship with God. Um, it says some parents' goals is psychological adjustment. Uh, so think self-esteem. Think mental health. Now, there's nothing wrong with We don't want our kids to have bad self-esteem or bad mental health. But if this is the primary goal, then it's a very child-centered parenting style. Uh, he says some in Christian circles, it's about having saved children. So they'll do whatever they can and, and uh, hear me out on this one, and he, that, that seems a little bit weird, but 
uh, some parents, this isn't all parents by any means, but some, it's all about, I got to get that, that one spiritual moment, getting the kid to camp or having him walk the aisle or whatever. If we can just get them saved, then everything else will be fine. And by all means, we want our kids to be saved. But the attitude behind some of that is, I don't want to teach them. I don't want to train them. I just want the church or some camp or whatever to do this special thing one time and that'll that'll really be successful um, when in truth what what our kids need is us walking alongside them for a long time teaching them training them showing them the way not just a one-time experience uh, he calls this next one family worship i think maybe better to think about it in like religious practice right so some it's be in the church every time the doors open do every kid's activity da 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 and if Again, if we just put them in this right environment, they'll be successful. But, the, but a lot of times what that means is it's just religion. It's not real. It's not a real relationship or it's not genuine. Um, some, the biblical or the unbiblical goal is just well-behaved children, right? Want to raise good boys and good girls, good manners. Uh, they say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. They're respectful. They got nice friends. We whatever, right? Just generally, uh, I, I call them good old boys, right? Just East Texas, good old boys and girls, right? Sometimes this is the goal. Uh, sometimes it's good education, high achievement, high success. Now, what others can you think of? Either that maybe you have or siblings or <laughs> friends, like what is the goal of raising kids that you see people have? If you have, okay, yeah. Sure, sure. We never had enough, so I want to make sure my kid has the best education so that he can be a doctor or this or that, and and provide like my parents didn't or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that drives everything, right? That affects where they live and what you do and how you spend your time and who you interact with and all those sorts of things. Yeah, for sure. Um, what do you think is the biblical goal of parenting? If I just put you on the spot, what, what should be our goal? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I would have struggled to answer this question without reading the, I mean, and I don't know. Here's what he says. He says, our chief goal is to glorify, honor, and enjoy God forever. It's, it's, and that's it for our kids. We want them to live their life in such a way that they glorify God, they honor God in all that they do, and they enjoy Him. They have a relationship with Him. That's our chief goal, right, as Christian parents. It's unique, right? This, I don't, you could hand this to a non-Christian friend, and they probably could glean some wisdom from it. But primarily, he's saying that our goal in our discipline, in our providing for our kids, in our conversations, is ultimately we want them to glorify and honor God and enjoy Him, right? And so our, our, that's going to change a lot because if our goal is just creating, you know, well-behaved children, we're just, we're just drilling into them, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. You know, be kind, be kind. But, but if we don't ever have the, the goal of, no, 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 we, we respect our parents. We respect our authority because that's how God wants us to do. We, we, 
we are kind to our neighbor, not because it's just a good thing for life, no, because God was kind to us, right? So ultimately, we're trying to point everything back to, to God. Um, and so we have to, he says, we have to direct our kids in every context to have a biblical worldview and a Godward orientation to life. We have to teach our kids that life is found in knowing and serving the true and living God. Now, that's a, that's a big goal, right? Especially in the, like, we have littles. We have hard, long days, you know, some days where it's just like, what? Why is there a, what what substance is that on the floor and what what are you doing over there to your sister? Right? We we live in that world right now, um, but this is helpful for me to remember when I'm disciplining, when I'm teaching, when I'm helping, when I'm doing whatever. Like ultimately, my job as their parent, what God has given me is to help point them to to Him. Um, so He talks about not just biblical goals, but also methods. So he talks about first some unbiblical methods. And so he labels a few. I thought these were kind of funny. Um, One way, one method. Method is how we do something, right? So how we go about achieving that goal. And he says the first one is, I didn't turn out so bad. And so these parents uh, basically are doing whatever their parents did, right? Uh, and usually this means their parents were probably bad, hateful, mean, hurt, whatever, right? Yelled at them, anger, that's, but I didn't turn out so bad, right? So I'm going to do the same thing to you. And you'll let your kids know that, right? That's like common amongst these parents to, to tell them, Grandpa used to hit me, slap me up the side of the head, and go on and on and then say, get busy or whatever, right? I didn't turn out so bad. That, that's not a great way to parent. Uh, some parents, their method is pop psychology. Just whatever the latest and greatest fad is. You know, read, read all the books. The, and, and here's some of them that are out there right now. Bribery is real popular. Bribe kids. Do whatever it takes. So put, a, put something out in front of them. If you can uh, not hit your sister today, then I'll give you... Da, 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 whatever they want, right? Now, that's real popular. And to be honest, it works, right? I've, we, I mean, I don't know that we've done it a lot, but we've done it at, at a meal, sitting at a meal going, okay, if you eat your three bites, then you can have dessert or you can have a piece of candy at the end of the meal, right? Now, what are we, what are we feeding when we're bribing them? We're feeding selfishness, Right? We're just, we're just giving food to the selfish monster that's inside of them. And we're growing that monster to be bigger and bigger. Yeah, maybe they did eat their dinner. Maybe they did be kind to their sister. But all we're doing is feeding this selfish monster inside of them. It means you're going to have to keep bribing them. And they know that ultimately selfishness is good. Because that's what you've rewarded, is them being selfish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and why? And why? 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 Why is that the expectation? Not let me pay you for this. What's the biblical reason for that? Because we're to do all things to the glory of God. 
We're, to, we're good stewards of what God has given us. We're meant to be... So if that's athletics, right? It's God's given you the ability to do this. You do it to His glory, and you do it to the best of your ability, not because you get the praise, but because God has given you this. Or with, with grades, same thing, right? So it's not just, oh, I'm going to get A's so that Mom gives me 20 bucks so I can... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He talks about behavior modification, which is kind of similar to, to this, but that we just, when they do something good, we reward them. And that doesn't sound so bad. You're like, okay. But what is that teaching them? That eventually they're only doing something good so they get a reward out of it. You're not teaching them to do something good because it's God honoring. Because that's the right thing to do. Because that's what God tells us to do. You're teaching them to do it so that they get something out of it. Um, we, again, we got to think about the heart. What, how we parent, and we have to parent towards the heart. He talks about emotionalism. This is not one I was raised around, but I can see it in others. Um, that really hurts mommy's feelings when you're not kind to your brother. And, or, uh, uh, that, that makes me so sad whenever, da 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 and, and, and that may be true. It does hurt your feelings and it does make you sad. But what, what, what that is doing is you're playing on their emotions. You're trying to manipulate them by making them feel a certain way. Ugh, they feel bad and then, it's manipulation at the end of the day. And And I'm not saying it doesn't work because he probably thinks about it and he goes, I don't want to make my mama sad. No, 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 so I'm going to straighten up. Um, yeah. Sarah, you were about to say something. Would that also kind of apply? Because I found myself, maybe I did just without realizing it, but then Seth will ask me, like, when I'm having to get on him for something, he'll stop and he'll ask me, Mama, are you happy right now? Hmm. And I'll say, I'll say, no, I'm not happy because you did something that I told you not to do. Yeah. Um, but then I try to continue to explain why I was going yeah. to do it. But I don't. Yeah. 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 Pull at the heartstrings. Yeah. So I mean, you got to be honest. You have emotions. You are. We God created us with them. The, what he's talking about here. Yeah. What he's talking about here is manipulating your child's emotions and trying to work them so that they just do what you want them to do. Um, like, there is a sin, Maddie says this all the time, like, sin makes God sad, right? Like, it does. Uh, and, and when you hurt us or when you disobey, it makes us sad. So that's okay to say, but it, I don't think that's the primary method of how we correct. It's just emotion. Uh, and then he talks about punitive correction, which is just literally 
punishment, <laughs> just irrational punishment, um, impulsive punishment, just fly off the handle spankings. And he, we're going to talk about the rod and spankings in a second. But here, here's an example he, he gives for each of these. He says, so let's imagine you're dealing with the problem of a child's failure to do his homework. Here are seven, several common but unbiblical approaches used to change about behavior. So he talks about bribery first. He says, do your work all week and I'll take you to the ball game. The emotional approach or emotionalism, please do your work. I get so upset when you don't. It makes me feel like crying. I wonder where did I go wrong? Or man, I've invested a lot into your education and you're making me feel that I've just wasted my money. Right? That's, that's not good. Punitive. He says, you didn't do your work, so no TV for a week. If you fail again tomorrow, it'll be no TV for two weeks. Just punishment. Behavior modification. Uh, for every day that you do your work, I'll put a slip of paper in the jar with your name on it, and when you have ten of them, we'll get to go do this, or whatever. Or the I didn't turn out so bad approach. If I didn't do my work, Grandpa used to smack me around. It didn't hurt me. I learned to do my work. Smack! Or when I didn't do my work, he left me alone. And sooner or later, I learned my lesson. It's your problem, not mine, right? So, yeah. These are what we go to because it's how we were raised, right? Or, it's, or we've maybe never given thought to, is that really a godly approach to discipline? We just... I think we do it because it works. We figured out how to work or get the right result out of our kid. Or it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. So you try 17 different things. Yeah. Until you find one that semi works. Yeah, for sure. So he says, so I, I'm reading this and I'm like, okay, what is he going to say is the right way? Now, listen, you're welcome to disagree with Ted Tripp. By all means, he's human. He, he's not. But he says... The two methods, and this is so simple, and it's not a magic bullet, but it is very simple. It's communication and the rod. What does the Bible say? That we are to teach our kids, we're to correct them, we're to explain, we're to communicate with them, and we're to use the rod. That is specific to parents. It's specific to parents. So he says these two practices must be woven together. They need to be known and understood that we have to communicate with them, not just monologue, not just telling them all the facts. We have to understand them. We have to ask questions. This is, we have to teach. But if we don't have dialogue with our kids, if we don't have an open way to communicate, then we're not impacting, we're not influencing, we're not teaching, we're not doing anything. But we also, God has given us this, the rod. So uh, you may not agree, but that's okay. Um, so he says the biblical approach to parenting is twofold, full communication and the rod. It's always both, not one or the other. God has given parents authority over children. Um, and so the emphasis is actually in Scripture. Most of it is on communication, teaching our kids. Uh, because if we don't have this and all we do is exercise the rod, we're just tyrants. They don't love us they, because they know we don't really care. If we're not communicating with them, they have no motivation, no anything to respond to the correction of the rod. But only communicating and never disciplining, never bringing any sort of, and he's going to talk specifically about what this is, 
um, any sort of correction physically or whatever, it, it makes you soft. It makes it, this isn't really important. There is no real authority. It's just, well, that's what mom thinks, but I can do whatever I want because I know she's not really going to spank me or she's not really going to tell dad and I'm not going to, you know, like I'm not ever, there's never any consequence or correction uh, here. So he talks a lot about communication. Let's see if I have it. Yep. So there, there's like three chapters on this. So I'm trying to uh, <laughs> summarize a little bit. I, he uses the word rich communication. So it's not just, um, it's not just a monologue. It's not just a speech. It's not just lectures to our kids. It's back and forth. It's dialogue. It's asking good questions. It's listening. It's learning our kids, learning what makes them tick. This is all about the heart. If we don't communicate, we don't really know what our kid's heart is. Um, so communication. The goal is to understand our children, not just for us to be understood. That's the goal of communication. So we got to understand, like, each of our kids are different, right? What makes my middle child, Adeline Tick, is very different than Hudson. Hudson is a rule follower, black and white, all day. He knows what's right and wrong. And when I, <laughs> if I have to call him out on something, he has an excuse right away because he, he can justify what, why what he did was right or why it was justified. Uh, Addie is not that way at all. Addie is a free spirit who is literally here and then down here and all over the place. And then Ellie, as you know, is a savage and she just hits. Uh, yet to be determined all that she will be. But each of our kids are different. And how we're going to have to communicate with each of them is different, right? I wish it were different. I wish it was like, here's what you have to say. Here's the playbook. But each of our kids is different. So as a parent and given that authority, given that responsibility, we have to learn our kids. Um, he gives uh, good examples. Let me read it on page 78 of good questions to ask. And you talked about this earlier. So he says, the why did you line of questioning never works with kids and rarely with adults. Why did you hit your sister? He says, here are some more productive questions. What, what were you feeling when you hit your sister? I don't know that Seth could answer that, but I couldn't answer that. What did your sister do to make you mad? Uh, help me understand how hitting her seemed to make things better. What was the problem with what she was doing to you, right? Uh, in other ways, in what other ways could you have responded? How did you think your, res your response reflected uh, trust or lack of trust in God's ability to care for and protect you, right? Those are just some questions. But as I read that, I thought, man, I ask, why did you hit your sister? Why did you steal that toy? And they don't know. They have no idea. Maybe down the road they will. Maybe in, in teenage years, they'll, they'll be able to express that. But I realized we as parents have to help them understand their heart, why they did what they did. Uh, that takes a lot of thought. Right, because it's easier in that moment to just go, don't steal that toy. We don't do that. What does that make us seem like? That? No, we're better than those people <laughs> that do that. And, and if you don't do that, then you're not a part of us. 
Like it's this separation between parent and child of like, that's not how Smiths act, right? That's not how we do things. Um, no, the, we have to help them understand why they're doing things. Um, so he talks a lot about that not all of our communication should be authoritarian, just rules and correction and discipline. Kids need encouragement. They need, um, they need you to pray with them. They need you to sometimes just gently correct. They, like not everything requires a spanking. So, so he's not saying here that, you know, here's the rule, follow in line. If you don't, line up for spankings, right? Like that's not it at all. There's, there's a, this is a long road, I think, before you get here. The communication should be clear and extensive and careful and guiding and not just, I told you the rule last week, you know it, get in line, come on. Like that is not the biblical perspective. So let's talk about the rod. Uh, He says this, and I thought it was good. If children are born ethically, oh, somebody's calling me, human service department, but it's a scam. Um, if children are born ethically and morally neutral, then they do not need correction. They just need direction and instruction. Is their most basic problem a lack of information? No. The child's problem is not an information deficit. His problem is that he is a sinner. So he's, not, he's saying, listen, our kids know. Like Seth knows. Brass knows. We know what we're supposed to be doing. Our kids have been told. So it's not an issue of information. It is, a, it is an issue of the heart. So he starts to talk about the rod, that this is what... And, and listen, this is controversial today, right? Spanking your kids, like some people view it as pure child abuse. Um, whatever. It is what it is. Because some people... It is pure child abuse, right? People have abused this, but some people have neglected this and done equally as much harm, right? So I was intrigued because he gives a lot of examples from Scripture, and I just wanted to read them so you can sense the, what does the Bible say? So Proverbs 13, 24, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. I mean, that is strong words to say if you, sp- I mean, my dad said it, spare the rod, spoil the child, right? That's like the common phrase out there. But the Bible says whoever spares the rod hates his son. If you're not willing to correct, if you're not willing to discipline, if you're not, you, you really hate your kids. That's a bold statement, right? But the one who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Um, that's again, seeing ourselves as we are God's authority over these kids. Like, this is the most loving thing I can do in this moment is discipline. As much as I don't want to, as much as I don't enjoy this, and he doesn't either. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. He spends a lot of time on this one just saying, and our kids, their heart is bent away from God, away from obedience. But the consistent application of the rod in a loving, careful way 
eventually has this effect. It drives it far from him, right? Proverbs 23, 13 and 14 says, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol, which was the Hebrew word for hell. So he's um, basically, if you're not willing to discipline physically at times, then, then you're letting him go down a road that you don't want. Proverbs 29:15. he says, the rod and reproof, which is the communication portion, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. And this is that free range parenting of just, just let them make do whatever they want to do and just, we'll just see what they become. We'll just kind of let nature take its course. What the Bible says is a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. <laughs> Eventually, that child is not going to veer towards godliness. He's not going to casually walk the road to honoring his parents unless he is taught, right? And then Hebrews 12 says, My son, do not regard lightly the, the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So um, he spends a lot of time on the rod, and the, the, actually in the last couple chapters, there's, there's a lot of kind of question and answers of like objections to it, or, but what about this? And I'm not going to go into all those. It's, I, it, you can text me and I can point you to the right place. Um, but here's what he says about the rod. Uh, um, the rod is not an angry parent venting wrath on a small pitiful child. If that's how you're spanking, you are not living in God's will, right? The rod is not about us venting or getting revenge. It's about correction. So he says it's a parental exercise. Uh, it's not for this. It's not for others. Uh, there's people, especially like older than me, like to say that like when I was growing up, anybody could spank you, right? Have y'all heard this? Like anybody in town saw my kids acting up, they're free to spank them, right? Uh, I don't agree with that. I used to, I think, but now, no, no. This is. God has given you authority over Isabella and Ariana, right? He's given you authority over Brian. He's given you authority over Seth, not me, no, right? That's something that was very hard for me being abused as a child. Yeah. I, mean, I was telling the graders with the radiator hose, So, but when we had the boys, Moy, you know, you had to spank, and it would kill me. But first off, you don't do it when you're mad. Right. They've got a butt, you use it. And then I would go to my room because I could not stand to hear that sound, you know. Sure. But I knew that, and especially as the boys got a little bit older, too, they, you know, you've got to have fear of daddy to a point with boys. Sure. If not, they walk right over mama. Yeah. You know? But that was something with very, even at all that, I believe there are times you have to spank your kids, but you've yeah. got to do it right. You know? He also says it's not to be done in public because what happens in public is then it becomes about shame that, boy, I'll whoop you right here. I'll, I'll tear you up in front of all these people. Wait, right? Right? 
what is that? You're just using shame of what they've done. That's not correction. That's not gentle. Brass, you cannot cuss out your sister like that. It's show whatever. Sorry, brass is an easy target. Uh, but but yeah. I know where you're going. Yeah. Because I've already noticed a couple times, like, if I have to spank Steph and then Donna Beth is with us, I mean, she's almost too, um, like, she's watching every move I'm making, but yeah. I'm making him. I'm like, am I teaching her here that she should hit him? Like, she does right. Like, I'm just entering that because she's young, and so it's yeah. really been just me and him up to this point. But, like, is that something that we need to be mindful of the other siblings being around? I think so. I mean, I think this is ultimately wisdom. Like, you've got to make a decision. But I think so, yeah. Because there comes some point where, yeah, that is, those are their best friends. Those are, you know, those are their closest confidants for a long time. Yeah. 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 I think it's respectful of them. Now, it, it might be hard at two and yeah, four. Like, you can't leave Donna Beth alone for five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And there is some, like, some kids learn from their siblings. Like, my little brother got more spankings than anybody, right? Uh, and I think, like, we learned from that. We, we knew what not to do because Hayden did it. And we just didn't have to go through that as much. So there is some, like, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't have a good answer. I would, I would veer towards do it privately. Yeah. He also talks about it's an act of faith. Like God tells us it's for their good. Like if we don't do it, we're not loving them. We're not correcting them. We don't have their 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 good in mind. Um, he talks a lot about uh, it's a physical punishment. It's not about anger. It's not about venting. It's measured. It's controlled. He has a whole section, like three pages worth of like how to do it. Like sit them down. Tell them how many spankings they're getting. Like being very clear, like all, all this, I mean, he's got a lot of wisdom. I'm not saying you have to do it that way by any means. Some people are like leather straps. Some people it's a board. Some people it's a hand. I don't know. I, what I do know is that ultimately it's this. It's about bringing the child back into relationship with parents. So he talks a lot about at the end of a, a spanking, like the parent and the child shouldn't leave the room angry at each other. <laughs> And like, there should be a moment or some moments of like, I love you, I care about you, man. Come here, just just let me hold you for a second. Like, let's wipe those tears away. I try to tell a joke at some point so that like, he knows like I love you. 
This doesn't change the rest of the day. This was simply about correcting whatever behavior just happened, whatever disobedience just happened. This is not me just taking out my my anger on you. So um, he's, he talks about distortions of it. Uh, the rod is not the right to unbridled temper or anger. It's not the right to hit our children whenever we wish. It's not about venting or frustration. It's not retribution. It's not associated with vindictive anger. If we use it this way, then we are teaching our kids that violence is okay, right? Because we are violent towards them, right? That's a bad way to use the rod. But if we're sitting them down, Hudson, you disobeyed. Like, what were you doing? Why did you do that? That's a bad question, sorry. Uh, going through, talking about it, I'm gonna, God has placed me as your authority. We just had this conversation this week. God has put me in charge of you. And that means that it's my job to correct you when you're wrong, when you're being disobedient to all these things. So I'm going to have to give you a spanking, all right? Okay. Turn over, spank. Come here, I love you. Let's don't do it again. Let's move on from that, right? Like that is not teaching our kids violence. That sequence, the, the rod, I think, in a biblical sense, is not teaching our kids it's okay to hit. Like, I don't think your kids are going to go to daycare or wherever and start hitting because they've been spanked at home. No, they hit because they're sinners. They hit because their hearts are selfish and want that toy, and so they hit, right? They're not hitting because they've been corrected, because they've been gentle. And, and we have to believe that if God tells us to do it, that it's for our good, even though it's been distorted, even though it's been used wrongly at times. So um, we got about a few minutes I just want to briefly talk about this. I didn't spend a lot of time in this last six chapters, but he gives two chapters to each stage of parenting. So infancy, zero to five, childhood, five to 12, and then teenage years, 13 to 18. And so he kind of gives like, here's the goal for the first five years. Um, I don't think that, it's, it's not shaping character, that's wrong. It's learning obedience. That's the, I, it, the next one is shaping character. This one is learning obedience. That's the main goal, teaching them that there is authority and they are someone who is under authority and they have to obey. He talks about these three things without challenge, without excuse, without delay. That's what obedience means. Maddie says it um, right away, all the way with a happy heart which is her fancy whatever way of saying, right away, without delay, all the way, without, well, I just wanted to, with a happy heart. It's about your attitude too. It's not just go clean up your room. No, if you got a bad attitude about it, we're gonna deal with that, right? So this is hard because Hudson challenges me every time I give him an instruction, right? He'll do it eventually, but because he's so, wordy and literal and wants to know all the details about everything, he's going to challenge. But, but Addie, Addie pulled that out, not me. Well, so, you know, like, or without, Addie, Addie has tons of excuses. I'm so tired. Right? I just, I just can't. I have a headache, right? Like that's not obedience. What we're trying to teach at zero to five is, hey, here's what we're doing right now. I need you to go clean up your room. Right away, all the way, with a happy heart. 
this is it. Consistency is key. It's, it's hard because it feels like it's a hundred times a day and it is sometimes, but the work that you do in zero to five manifests itself in the next 13 years in the next lifetime. He honestly, when he gets to teenage years, he basically says, I don't know what to tell you if you didn't do this zero to 15, zero to 13. Like if, if you're starting from nothing right here, if you're just gonna start at 13, you're, I don't know. Now there's probably books written towards that, so don't give up. The habit is there, the behavior is, so yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you've got to start now and go, no, exactly hey, Bryce, I'm going to tell you one time, here's what I need you to do. I expect you to do it right. You've got to start. It's going to be hard, oh, right? But you've got to start there, requiring obedience, requiring immediate, you know, I mean, action right away. Uh, he talks about the middle years, childhood, the realization his kids went to school and he was like, oh, I can't direct everything that they do, right? They're at a friend's house and they're on a t-ball team there and they've got to learn to make decisions themselves. They have to, really, they have to start learning to apply biblical wisdom to life, which is crazy. It's six, seven, ten years old, right? The things that they're going to interact with in the bathroom and gender and sexuality, all this stuff, right? Like that stuff's going to be out there, right? And they've got to learn, or bullying, picking on a certain kid because of their size, right? Like, or whatever, fill in the blank with all the different situations. And so these years are about shaping their character. Um, he spends time talking about what that looks like. And then he talks... But that's good. That's okay because you're, he's coming home and talking to you, which means there's communication. So you've got to every day help him process through, hey, my friend said this, and you go. Yeah. Yeah. Your job, I mean, unless they're hurting other people or something, like maybe, but your job is to help Bryce learn to think about what he's experiencing and how to make those decisions and the why and the heart behind it. Not just like, well, we don't do that, right? No, why don't we do that? Because we're trying to honor God and everything because we're trying to, you know, all those things. And then teenage years, he uses Proverbs 1. I don't know. I didn't spend a lot of time on this, um, but you're trying to teach them fear of God not fear of man, right? Teenagers make tons of decisions based out of fear of man. They want to be accepted. They want to be liked, but they, they want to be their own person, but they, you know, whatever. Every, most of their decisions are made based on peer pressure, fear of man. And our task is to teach them to make decisions based out of fear of God, not fear of man. And if you've done a good job of raising them to know authority and obey, and you've done a good job through those years of shaping their character, this comes a lot easier in those teenage years. But if you just start from scratch right here and go, like, it's going to be hard, right? So start today, 
start tonight. <laughs> I mean, this is what I got out of the book. It's like, okay, I should have started five years ago, but I got today. So I'm going to start today. Uh, my forestry friend, Trevin, says, when's the best time to plant a tree? 30 years ago. When's the second best time to plant a tree? Today. Right? So same with parenting. Yeah, it would have been great. If we could all go back and redo our mistakes, we would do it, but we can't. So start today. Um, anyway, it's a good book. It's worth your read. There's a lot more in here than what I've covered. That's the high points. Um, by all means, read it, especially those last couple chapters. There's a lot of, but what about this? And what about, what about this situation? Because teenagers are different. Right? It's, it's a totally different deal. And I, don't, and I don't feel like I have, I was a youth pastor, but youth pastor is easy. I just get to have fun and send them home. Like, I don't have to discipline them. So... <laughs> It's a whole different deal. So anyway, do y'all have questions or thoughts or something you want to share? Or I don't necessarily have answers, but I'll be glad to entertain your questions. Yeah. Like, is there an age at which you would say the kid should be expected to know this is always the rule, it doesn't have to be told to me again? Like, because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's hard because I feel like I don't want to just spank him for something if I'm not 100% sure that he, he remembers or knew. Yeah. Or I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to learn him. Is, he, is that just an excuse? Like, or is it truly he doesn't remember he's supposed to put his shoes in his closet or whatever? Yeah. 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 But whatever you allow early will only get worse, right? Like two times turns to thirty-seven, and all of a sudden he's a teenager and he doesn't even listen to you because there's not been correction and there's not been accountability and follow through so I don't know I'm not sure I mean I think if he re- if you really think he understands he talks about in here when do we start spanking and he basically says once they show signs of understanding uh, and he would spank in diapers he would suggest that uh, if they understand sit and they don't sit now I, I'm not necessarily on that camp but uh, we probably spanked about two, probably started about two, because my kids knew. They knew, and they were sneaky, because they would, in front of me, they didn't do whatever we told them, but if we turn it back, they're going to go do it. Okay, now you understand. You're, you may not be able to express that with words, but if they can understand, I think. Or if he can do it with you standing there, then he understands. Yeah. I don't know. That takes a lot of wisdom. <laughs> what else? Y'all have other questions or thoughts? It's hard for me with shame, you know, because yeah, you know, and they, the doctor says you can't, you know, she's got brain damage. Yeah. Here this year, you can't give her more than a one step. But I'm kind of like that. I do tell her the 
or you know a million times a day. So you think, but it's like she never remembers anything. So and sometimes I'm I don't know if she really don't remember. Sometimes I'm sure some of the things she don't remember. But then sometimes I'm like, well, yeah, that's legitimate. To, she might not really remember. That's okay, and and he really may not remember. So you, I mean, yeah, you know your kid better than anybody else. Yeah. Hey, we've got about one minute until our kids come in and destroy our peace. Uh, but let me pray, and then uh, y'all. Please come grab a book if you want it or a snack. And y'all can still hang out in here or whatever. But God, thank you for each one of these parents. I pray that you would just uh, give them wisdom. God, give them godly courage to be the parents and the authority that you've called them to be. I pray that you'd help them to be consistent. God, give them patience and strength and energy and all that's required in, in teaching our kids to, to know and love you. And so... Uh, just encourage their hearts tonight and help them not to dwell on all the failures, but God, to just start where they are and start um, loving their kids well by communicating with them and by disciplining them as necessary, God. So just be with them. Thank you for each one of them. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen.